Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I, of course, am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's enjoying their weekend here. It is Saturday afternoon, coming off the heels of our Friday night happy hour. Thank you all for those of you who attended. It was fun. Went pretty late last night. Uh, At least a few of us hung around for a long time. Had a lot, of, a lot of fun getting to see you guys, chat you up, and throw back a few cocktails. So that was, uh, as usual, a great time. And if you want to become a part of that crew, all you have to do is go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and become a supporting listener of the show. You can set up any sort of recurring, recurring monthly donation, and I will send you the link every other Friday to join us and have some fun. You know, there's not a whole lot really going on in the news other than the continued debacle that is the Afghan pullout. So well, I guess we'll go through some of the some of the carnage that, that is still left behind over there on today's show and maybe some, some COVID-19 stuff. Joe Biden gave a press conference to address some of the issues that we're having over there told some pretty bold-faced lies to the American people. And the media was, you know, they were kind of a little more hostile to him than normal. So I thought that was interesting. And it's just, you can just see now on full display, now that he can't hide in the shadows and just, you know, not address things, not talk talk to people, not take questions, they have to put him out there. And it's just a goddamn disaster. You, it, it's on full display how incoherent and incompetent he is, which is just delicious. I mean, I mean, watching people have have to take him seriously. The fact that he is in charge of like the biggest, most powerful government the world has ever seen, and it's this old guy, it is just incredible, absolutely incredible. And to have the media trying to take him seriously, pretend that he's a, a serious person and and not completely senile is, is something to be seen for sure. But there are some reporters out there who are starting to give him more of a hard time over this uh, a- Afghanistan thing, this botched withdrawal, which is just, it, it really looks like a fucking, like my worst nightmare. If like, I don't know if any of you guys have had like a flight canceled or something like that. I've had I had one recently that I think I probably mentioned here on the podcast a few months ago when I was going to I guess it was last year I was going to Cancun for a while and the like they just canceled the flight and that was just one plane like one small plane that was going to 
uh, Mexico City. And just that experience alone, the mayhem, the un like the the things you don't know, the lack of communication, and just how crazy people get. You know, a crowd of people all like just fucking rushing towards the one person that they have working the desk. It's just complete fucking chaos. It's a goddamn nightmare. And it takes forever to get things sorted out. I can't imagine what it's like to be going through this fucking nonsense over in Afghanistan. Just thousands and thousands of people lining up trying to get into this fucking airport so they can get on the next flight out of that fucking shithole. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I just, my worst nightmare by far would be that situation. Not because it's like Afghanistan and it's dangerous and the Taliban's there and, you know, there could be like a terrorist attack or something. Uh-uh, none of that. Just the crowd and the, the chaos and having to wait in lines and you don't know where to go and how to get there and un unreal the the level of just fucked that is going on over there but if you listen to the press conference joe biden says that he has he has no indication that americans haven't been able to get into the kabul airport which is just absolutely not true we have tons of video you know this is one of the beautiful things of the time that we live in now where the the news media cannot control this narrative because we have twitter you have people putting up uh, videos from their smartphone all over the internet you know instagram uh, all these other sites that you can kind of scroll through when people can post stuff so we can see people getting beaten at these checkpoints, getting stopped at these at, at these Taliban checkpoints, not let through, stuck outside the airport and in crowds of thousands, just pure chaos. And, you know, there's, uh, I think it was ABC, they got caught editing an interview that they did with Biden to, uh, to take out like a bunch of shit that just makes him look terrible, you know? And they always, I mean, all these news stations would do that, you know, they edit things for the sake of time so we're told but it just it always happens to be especially when it comes to you know uh presidents that they favor and like joe biden who they're trying to prop up it always happens to be the the bumbling stumbling incoherent answers that he gives just don't seem to make the air for whatever reason you know but they can't control this anymore. And, and Biden doesn't seem to, like, he seems to think that it's still fucking 1975 when we only have three fucking networks that we can watch and whatever he, whatever they tell you is gospel and he can just lie straight up, just be like, oh, do we have no indication that they can't get to the airport? Well, how about this video? How about this reporter telling you that she couldn't get into the fucking airport? And, and there's just like, there's like a hundred examples of this and we can watch it live uh, streaming on the internet. How fucking fucked this whole thing is. And he can get up there and be like, no, no indication. Next question. <laughs> it really is fucking unbelievable. And then the second somebody pushed back on him at that press conference, he just answered the question that he wanted to answer and then ended the, the thing. You know, he's taking, he's only taking pre-arranged questions that he knows the question and he knows which reporter to go to. And he's only taking a handful of those after these press conferences. It, it, and he can't handle that. He can't do it. It's, it's really just, you know, I think his strategy now is to just try to put you to sleep. I, I was going to play some clips, but I'm just like, this is just so goddamn boring. It's so 
boring to listen to him talk. And I think his goal is to just bore you to death until you lose interest and you just tone, tone him out, tune him out. But I will say, at least he's still sticking to his guns and he's not, you know, trying to uh, backpedal on this. He's not trying to change his mind or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's going to keep saying that everything's fine over it in the, the Kabul airport even though it's a goddamn unmitigated disaster, just like everything that the government touches. But he's not going to change his mind on this. It doesn't look that way. And thank God for that. I mean, if if everything that we went through in Afghanistan over the last 20 years was for nothing, fine. I mean, that we're just, we have to bite that bullet. That's a bitter-tasting pill for a lot of people to swallow. I made my peace with that a long time ago. But now if we decide to go back in after all this chaos, well, then everything that's happened over the last week would be for nothing. And there's, you know, there's a handful of people. I think it's 12 so far that have died outside the airport. The uh, the Taliban's going around. They're hunting down the people that were helping the U.S. wage this illegal, immoral war. I saw the, they executed the um, one of the police chiefs or something like that. Uh, that was a pretty horrific video to watch. And, uh, yeah, that would all be for nothing if we decide to go back in and, and try to do this over again, which would just be the, the dumbest thing we could possibly do. So at least you can say that he's not, he's not making the absolute worst move, which would be to backtrack on this, to change course and try to go back in and I don't know, just be permanent fucking residents of Afghanistan the, the U.S. military, that is. But in hilarious fashion, like literally one day after Biden tried to reassure all the American people that everything's fine over there, we're going to get all the Americans out, we're going to get all the people that helped us out, like they're, they're, we, we're pledging this, even though they, like, we don't know how many Americans are over there, they don't know anything. It, the, the whole thing is just, it's foobar. It is complete and utter FUBAR, which is a term that the military came up with, an acronym for fucked up beyond all recognition. That's what this is. It's a perfect example of it. They don't know what they don't, they don't know how many people they need to get out, but, you know, we're going to get them all out, rest assured. And then the next day, the U.S. tells American citizens, do not try to come to the airport. This came out just uh, just today, Saturday, from the U.S. Embassy, or whatever's left of the U.S. Embassy in K Kabul, that they want Americans to avoid traveling to the airport and to just sit where you are and wait for some government agent to contact you. And they'll, they'll give you further instructions. So we're now at the, the sit tight, we'll, uh, we'll let you know what to do phase of this. And good grief, man. They couldn't have done this any worse, I suppose. Um, it really is just looking... Every day it gets worse. And Biden's talking about how we have this deal with the Taliban. They're, they're going to let everybody through. It's in their best interest not to you know fuck with Americans and everything like that. But there's a lot of reports coming in that, you know, they're... They're beating some Americans at these checkpoints. Like, they've got checkpoints all over Afghanistan. Like, you can't get around without going through these checkpoints. And sometimes they're stealing your passport. They're just taking it and not giving it back. 
So you're you're just totally fucked now. You you can't even prove that you're an American. You know, it's it, it's like they're gonna push the limits of this so-called deal that they struck. Right? It was like uh, Biden said, if you you know if you attack our troops or something like that, you're gonna be met with swift and strong force, and you're not gonna like it. Blah 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 blah. But you know, they they can fuck with us a little bit, and we're gonna avoid having to you know go back into fucking hot hot war with these guys so it's like all right yeah you know they're they're stealing some people's passports they're beating us a little bit we're gonna look the other way and pretend we didn't see that because we we just need to get this over with and they they are going around and they are searching for a lot of these people that were helping you know translators and things like that that were helping the u.s they're 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 trying to hunt them down i've seen one person executed i'm sure there there have been others so they're they're uh, kind of altering this deal that they that they struck with Biden because they know we are in no position to enforce our our threats to make good on our threats. Now, if they take it too far, and they actually you know go after some troops or something like that, and they start attacking us, well that that you know then we we would have the justification that we're looking for. But they'll probably go right up to that fucking edge. And just see what they can get away with before we we actually try to make good on on Biden's threats there. But if anything, you know, this was a couple of things Biden talked about in this press conference that I agreed with was that this was like this was going to happen. There was no good exit from Afghanistan. And if anything, if, if there's anything to take away from this, it's that we should not be doing this. Anything resembling this, this nation building, this invading other countries, trying to impose our way of life on them, trying to you know prop up dictators that we want in, in power and things like that. We should not be doing this all over the world, uh, anywhere. And this this should be the big flashing sign being like, stop it. Just stop what you're doing now because we're, we're still doing this in a, a bunch of other places. And, and he even mentioned in his speech, you know, he's like, we got all these other areas that we have to fight terrorism. So we're going to focus our efforts over there in Africa and Syria. It, no. Why? Why? Stop it. Stop it. If if what what we did in Afghanistan wasn't proof enough that this doesn't work, that this is a terrible idea, you know, it's like we went into Afghanistan originally, right, because it was a, a breeding ground for terrorism, right? There wasn't a strong government there, so these terrorists could just go to Afghanistan and plot all their shit, right? All, all these attacks that they wanted to do on the U.S. and the world. And so we had to go in there and we had to establish a, a powerful government that could you know, watch over the the land and regulate everything and make sure that there weren't like terrorist cells popping up and plotting all their evil, evil schemes, right? Well, how they doing so far, right? Like, how, how'd this turn out? Because from where I'm standing, the, the Taliban is is bigger and stronger and more powerful than ever. And more armed than ever, like, they're more capable of carrying out terrorist attacks now than ever before they've got like an entire fucking military arsenal at their disposal they got helicopters they got fucking tanks and uh, armored armored trucks and guns and ammunition they got everything they need that they wouldn't have had if if it weren't for our involvement over there it's perfect it's a perfect example of how government operates it sees what it, it claims that there's a problem 
it proposes government as a solution and it goes in there and it fucks everything up 10 times makes it 10 times worse than it was before we got involved here and by every metric they failed the, the the you know the, the there's more more terrorists we've created more terrorists through the, through our involvement over there they're more armed now and more capable of carrying out any fucking plan that they want and they've got the territory now that they can house as many fucking terrorists as they want and they can plot in peace to do whatever they want to do so uh bravo mission accomplished there's government for you that's how they operate they they exacerbate whatever perceived problem there was there is no government solution to these types of problems it's always the the worst option is to have the government get involved and afghanistan is the perfect example of that but we're just going to pretend like afghanistan isn't the isn't the norm it's like this exception right but yeah sure it didn't work over there but it'll work in fucking uh somalia and syria and uh iraq all these other places right um, all over fucking Africa now. It's like, stop it. This was not the exception. This is the rule. Afghanistan is the rule. This is what's going to happen with all of our intervention. They were all going to end this way. So just end them now and, and don't start anymore. We don't need to fight terrorism over there so we don't have to fight them over here. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is insane. We are we are exacerbating any problem of terrorism by getting involved in other people's business. And like I said on the last episode, any justification for ending the war in Afghanistan applies equally to all of these other foreign interventions. They're They're all the same. So please, for the love of God, just stop it. Just stop it. And let's let's get this all over with. We'll rip the band-aid off. We'll have disasters everywhere and just be done with this. And we can put this type of foreign policy into the dustbin of history where it fucking belongs once and for all. But of course, it's never going to happen until the empire, the American empire completely collapses, which is looking like it's right around the corner, doesn't it? I mean... This is this is a great little a great little indicator, right? We're we're losing this. We, we lost this war. We're pulling out in embarrassing, chaotic fashion. It looks fucking terrible. We're over. We're spread way too thin militarily. We've overexpanded. We've spent way too much fucking money. We're completely broke. We're we're having problems abroad. We're having problems here at our own borders. We're having problems, major fucking problems across the U.S. because of this whole COVID regime thing. Uh, we're coming apart at the seams here, and it's only a matter of time. Inflation is running rampant through our economy, and it's only going to get worse. the The American people are in for some really, really tough times ahead. And this is not going to be pretty. If you think it's bad in Afghanistan now, wait until you see the effects of this economic fucking collapse coinciding with the COVID regime horseshit and all these vaccine mandates and things like that. It, it's going to be a real rough foreseeable future for the American people. Anyway, let's take a quick second here and thank our sponsor for today's show, and that is Zipix Toothpicks. These are nicotine-infused flavored toothpicks to help you curb that nicotine craving that you get from time to time. I really like the idea of this product. I'm not a smoker myself, but if I was, what would drive me crazy about smoking 
is a couple of things. A, all the restrictions on where you can do it, you know, especially if you live in a climate like uh, we're at my hometown of Chicago, where it's nasty a lot of the time. It's either really, really hot and humid or really, really fucking cold and miserable and wet outside. And, you know, it'd be nice if you could smoke inside, something like that, right? The other thing is that it bothers people. I mean, let's be honest. Smoking bothers people. A lot of people don't like it. They don't like the smell. And it has a lot of nasty uh, effects on your on your health. It destroys your lungs. It makes your teeth yellow. Your breath stinks. All of that is gone. It's all solved by these toothpicks, and they're brilliant. You know, you can get mint-flavored ones, or they have six, six different flavors, I think, unless they've added some more. There's like a whiskey-flavored one, so you, you got to go try out the variety pack by going to ZipixToothpicks.com using my promo code FICTION for 10% off your order. But these are great. You know, you can pop them in your mouth wherever you are, get that nicotine craving taken care of. You still get that hand-to-mouth oral fixation thing taken care of as well. It's a great smokeless alternative to, to get everything that you want. All the good stuff from the cigarette is in these toothpicks. And it's the nicotine. That's what you're craving, and that's what they give you with none of those nasty side effects of, of that smoking brings with it. And if you're not a smoker, they you don't need a nicotine fix. Maybe you need a caffeine fix. They have a, a B12 and caffeine-infused toothpick as well. So go check them out. Zipix Toothpicks, that's Z-I- P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. All right. Now, there's some, oh God, the, you know, the, the COVID craziness is the only other thing that continues to go spread like wildfire throughout the country. It, even in the face of all of these indications that they're, they've gotten everything completely wrong. And I, you know, you guys all know by now that the, they've nuked, the YouTube channel because I'm spreading COVID misinformation. I have every confidence in the world that I will be vindicated in some time in the future when all of this fucking insanity blows over. There will be a point where the rest of the world will figure out that I have been right about all of this stuff and libertarians for the most part, at least the good ones, have been right on all of this stuff. Unfortunately, by then, I have a feeling that it's going to be too late. The U.S. is now investigating the uh, Moderna jab after data shows that it's two and a half times a, a higher risk of heart inflammation than the other vaccines, so-called vaccines. I know I'm, I'm probably not supposed to use that word on here, but, you know, let's see what else we can get. Uh, we, we, uh, what other platforms we can get taken down from, you know? But we've, you know, I talked about this risk of, of heart inflammation many times earlier on the show when these, when they were first coming out with these treatments. And to be fair, it's not like a huge risk, you know? It's not like half the people that are getting these things are at risk of, of heart inflammation. It's a very small percentage. But it's still one risk that they won't talk about, that they won't, nobody will admit to. And it's just one of the many things that we we don't we didn't know that about these vaccines that seems to be worse than they even thought that that worse than the trials you know all these things that they ran all the stories that they go with it, it turns out that not only is the the risk of complications higher than they admitted to but the effectiveness is a lot less there was just a landmark study that came out and I don't have the article in front of me here but. They've, they've, they're now admitting that these, these shots are 
far less effective than advertised. And of course, the only reason that they're admitting this now is because they've got this huge push for booster shots and additional vaccines and everything like that. So yeah, they'll admit now, be like, okay, yeah, we, I know we said it was like 90% effective. It's, it's more like 60% effective, and it's probably even closer to like 30 or 40 if uh, the Israel studies are correct. They'll admit that now only in the context that, okay, yeah, so now you need a booster shot. Now you got to get it some more. Get, just take a little more, and then that effectiveness goes up exponentially. That's the line that they're rolling with, and they're, you know, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. The, the thing is, we're seeing a lot of these hospitals being full of vaccinated patients because, like we said on the, a couple episodes ago, the one that got us banned from YouTube, is, these aren't vaccines. This is a very experimental treatment, and it doesn't seem to be working out as well as they think, and they don't want to have a control group. They have to force this on everybody. And then once everybody's forced to get it, then they don't have to worry about the effectiveness or anything like that. We won't have anything to compare it to. <laughs> so it's um, it really is fucked up what's going on here. And the media is just, God, oh, there was this MSNBC clip that was so fucking cringy. It was terrible. It was, let me see if I, I think I have the audio here. But I don't know if you guys saw this. It was like this guy on MSNBC. I don't know his name, but they're like clearly trying to get, you know, the, the biggest problem that especially the left is facing when they push these vaccines is that black people are not getting the vaccine. The biggest areas where of unvaccinated people are like the minority communities and the inner cities and things like that. Like they're not getting it. They don't want it. They're they're not taking it. They don't trust it. They don't trust the government, rightfully so. And they came out with this segment where they took this rap song from Notorious B.I.G. And they tried to compare it to COVID. It was the most bizarre, cringeworthy thing I've seen in a really long time. And it was just so bad. It was so fucking bad. And just pathetic and transparent and ridiculous i can't believe i hope they got fucking trashed online for this i'm sure they did but let's go ahead and roll it you guys can decide for yourself COVID's dangerous it's lethal it's a bit like the beef notorious big used to rap about when he said beef is when your moms ain't safe up in the streets beef is when i see you guaranteed to be in icu well when COVID sees you you can end up in ICU, maybe not at the same rate as Biggie's beef, but that's the point about risk. You don't want to test these streets and risk ending up in the ICU. Okay, so, uh, wow. I, I don't even really know where to start with this. This is like the biggest, I, I don't even know how they came up with this. I'd never heard this, Where uh, where's the beef song? <laughs> not where's the beef, that's a... Uh, uh, that's the fucking Wendy's commercial from like the 50s. But this Biggie's Beef song, I, I know a lot of Biggie's work from when I was a kid. You know, it was real popular, but I, I've never heard this one. And my God, what a fucking stretch to come up with. How are we going to appeal to the black community? Let's get this rap song and have some fucking white dude on MSNBC compare the Biggie's Beef to COVID. What? 
what are we doing here? What it's like COVID sees you and you can end up in the ICU. Like when Biggie sees you like, okay. Yeah. Except that here's the thing that not only was that just like the biggest stretch ever and just a retarded comparison and just hilariously white to have like some white guy trying to analyze a, a rap song, like rap lyrics is just the fucking funniest, most cringeworthy shit I've ever seen. Unbelievable. But we have some statistics here. You know, they, they say COVID's dangerous. You don't want to test these waters. You could end up in the ICU. Well, let's take a look at some of the numbers, shall we? Less than 1% of COVID patients under the age of 40 were admitted to the ICU between January 22nd and May 30th, 2020. Now, why they took th that date range, I don't know. Maybe that is, is to sort of uh, hammer home their point here. But the numbers here, it increases to 1.5% for those age 40 to 49, 2.5% for 50 to 59, 4% 0.1% for 60 to 69, and it peaks at 5.6 for those between the ages of 70 and 79. Now, again, I always get su suspicious when they pick a very specific date range. I don't know why they didn't do like all of last year or something like that. But, but anybody that's old enough to get the, I mean, this reference is like 30 years old now. So anybody that's old enough to get this reference is either like my age or younger. So we're under 40. And we just know if you look at the numbers, not even just the, the ones that I went over from that three month period, but we, we know from looking at all the numbers that we are not at risk of going to the ICU for this. That is a ridiculous fucking statement. Why do they overstate the case of this so much? Like, why are they trying to peddle so much fucking fear? And why does it work on people? Why does it work on people? I don't think it works on young people as much as as uh, they think it does. But man, there are so many people that are freaked out about this. Young people, one one percent, less than one percent of people under the age of forty go to the ICU, and and that's that's supposed to scare us, really. And then anybody younger than me might get this reference. Probably not because like now they listen to like really shitty rap music. But they're at even less of a risk. Like the, the younger you get, the, the less likely you are to be admitted to the ICU because of COVID. So th this is just one gigantic swing and a miss. Not only was it just a terrible, cringy segment that made no sense at all, but they're, they're not even right about what they're fucking trying to scare you about. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, you, you might end up in the ICU like what Biggie says, his beef when his mom's in the what? This is just nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. I can't believe that, you know, if I worked for MSNBC and they're like, you got to do this segment about the vaccine ICU potential and Biggie's beef, I would just be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. This is retarded. This is a retarded idea. There's no goddamn way I'm going on national TV and embarrassing myself like this. But nope, here, here you go. Here's uh, who is this fucking guy? Ari Melber. That's his name. Ari Melber. Oh, okay. Ari. COVID's real dangerous. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're totally freaked out about it. 
anyway, somewhat related to the, this COVID craziness is the, you know, the only thing that's really been coming back as far as the, the U.S. economy is concerned, you know, the way they measure things, all of these job gains and everything there for the most part, they've been in the, the restaurant uh, bar, like service sector industry, right? That, and that's where we lost a lot of the jobs when all these restaurants were forced to close down and the bars are for, forced to close down and then they got to open back up, right? And so we got we got this big bump in economic news. Well, they're they're doing their best to destroy what's left of these restaurants. Um they're they're doing it especially on the coasts, you know, in San Francisco and New York where you have to be vaccinated in order to patronize one of these restaurants. I, I mean, restaurant margins as they are pre-COVID were a razor thin, like historically razor thin margins at restaurants. That's why the alcohol costs so much. You know, that's where they make their fucking nut on the alcohol sales. But now, now they're like discriminating against their customers. <laughs> they're they're forced to turn customers away because they haven't gotten uh, the these treatments these shots that in the arm that don't really do anything um this is crazy so now they have to not only that they turn away customers but the supply chain has been fucked up there's shortages on all these things that they're serving and the the prices are just going through the roof for things like beef you know steakhouses that's like the most iconic American dining experience. You know, you go, you go to a nice steakhouse for your birthday or something like that. The, the government's response to the COVID crisis, like their response to everything, is to just print up a bunch of money and give it to people to spend. Well, we're, we're starting to see this inflation that we've been warning about for years. But in particularly over the last year and a half, when they decided to spend $7 trillion, that this is going to cause prices to go through the fucking roof. Wholesale prices are rising more than 40% in July than than a year ago. So they're, they're 40% higher than they were a year ago. And it's not just beef prices. For the month of May, the, the they have the, the food price index that measures a, a bunch, like a basket uh, cereals, oils, you know, cooking oils and things like that, dairy products, meat, sugar. It, it surged to an average of 127.1 points in May, and that's 4.8% higher than in April and 39.7% higher than May 2020. These are like all the things that you need to cook in restaurants, right? You know, vegetable oils, sugars, uh, meat, dairy products, 40% price increase. This is eroding restaurant profits. So they're, you know, food costs are more expensive. Labor costs are more expensive because they've made it, the government's made it more lucrative to stay home instead of go to work. Their customer base is shrinking because you have to be vaccinated to go there. This is like, Man, talk about like a one-two fucking knockout punch for the restaurant industry and what's like basically keeping our economy alive on life support. You know, all of these economic numbers, everything, any like inkling of good news comes from like the restaurant bar sector, you know. Every month, it's like, yeah, we added all these jobs. What were they? They were like bartenders, waitresses, and waiters. You know, it's like, okay. That's like our whole fucking economy now. It's all surface sector shit. We don't produce anything. Cereal prices rose 6% in May, 
36% year over year. Corn is up. Grain is up. up over 89% uh, over the previous year's value for cereal grain you know wheat prices uh, up 6.8 percent in may this is real like this is what people spend their money on this is the inflation tax that is going to destroy destroy the the low income middle income earners you know the middle class people are going to get raped by this and there's really no reason for any of these prices to go down. Why? What? You know? What are we doing with our monetary policy that's going to fight inflation? If you listen to what the Federal Reserve says, uh, you know they're thinking about you know tapering a little bit here and there, and and that's supposed to be like a tightening of the monetary policy, and that's just bullshit. They they can't do it. They can't do it without destroying this the the biggest bubble of all time. And they're cowards. All these politicians are cowards. Everybody at the Fed is a fucking coward. So they're just going to go the inflation route. And they're going to keep telling you that it's under control and that it's transitory. It's nothing to worry about. Meanwhile, you know, you get to go to the store and you see the real effects of this. It's right in front of your face. You know, it's just like the COVID thing. They keep telling you how bad COVID is. But if you actually just go out and live your life, it turns out eh, it's not that bad. This is like that, except it's the opposite. They're telling you it's not that bad, but then you go out and you live your life and prices everywhere are going through the roof. Rental uh, prices, the, the housing market is on fire right now. Housing prices are going through the roof, which is in turn affecting rents. So in, in cities that were hardest hit, by the the pandemic, you know, rental, uh, you know, where, where people just stopped renting, they moved back home, they live with their parents or whatever. Um, occupancy last month hit an all time high of ninety six point nine percent. That helped rents on the newly signed leases surge seventeen percent in July when compared to uh, what prior the prior tenant paid. That's the it's the highest level on record for rents in these cities. A 17% increase in rent. Now, is that captured in the fucking CPI? Of course not. Of course not. They use like all these bullshit things to get around that. Owner's equivalent rent, I think, is what they include in there, which is just like they ask owners what they would rent their place for, and they and they give you an answer. Like, hypothetically, what would you rent your place for? But that's not the rent that people are actually paying. The rent people are actually paying is 17% higher than it was from the last tenant. Rents are going through the roof. Cost of ho housing in general going through the roof. Food is going through the roof. Uh, you, you, like That's what's so bad about inflation. It's unavoidable for the average American. There are ways that you can protect yourself from it, but you do have to live your life. You have to live somewhere and you have to eat something. And, the pri and inflation is everywhere. And it's going to affect everything because it's just, it's what we do is we create inflation through our monetary policy. So the price of everything is going to go up exponentially. And there's no stopping it unless you actually get the, you actually have to shrink the money supply. Good luck with that. I mean, we are hemorrhaging money in every facet of government and their solution to everything is to just spend more money. Uh, we just need more money doesn't matter what it is. That's their only solution to things. Oh, here, have some, more, have some more of these paper dollars. That'll fix it. That'll fix everything. They don't even know what they're spending money on or how much they spend. You know, they, they, they keep talking about all the money that we spent in Afghanistan. Nobody fucking knows. 
It's like, oh yeah, low estimates, like one point something trillion, high estimates, two point something trillion. Eh, it's close enough, close enough for government work. A trillion here, we're off by a trillion dollars. <laughs> close enough. Okay. I, I mean, how do you not know what you spent? How do you not know how much money you spent on something? It's like the most basic fucking thing that you're supposed to do. Know how much money you spent on a program. How about that? But all of these programs are just like rife with waste and abuse and fraud and you know the things that, that every politician says they're going to eliminate waste fraud and ab- abuse it's like a comical line at this point they can't possibly monitor any of these fucking programs we're losing pallets of money over in afghanistan and places like that just trillions of dollars go they vanish into thin air the, it always it always cracks me up when they mention the government accountability office <laughs> If there was an oxymoron, if there ever was an oxymoron, that would be it. But since 2003, they estimate $1.9 trillion, trillion dollars, $2 trillion, we'll round up, in improper payments have been made in, in all of these like welfare programs that we have going on. But the Government Accountability Office couched that with this statement that they are unable to determine the full extent to which improper payments occur. So, again, they don't know. The Government Accountability Office can't uh, figure out <laughs> all the improper payments that are being made. So there, there's no accountability whatsoever. Classic. Classic. In fiscal year 2020, more than 21% of Medicaid's federal program spending was the result of improper spending, which means that one-fifth of taxpayer dollars intended to help the roughly 77 million low-income and medically needy people one-fifth has been lost without helping those Americans. And that's, you know, that's probably the low end. That's the conservative estimate. Medicare is basically the same. $43 billion in improper payments. And if you look at the other programs that they have going on, the earned income tax credit, unemployment insurance, supplemental security income, almost a quarter of those payments for the earned income tax credit in 2020 were improper. That's about sixteen billion. So this is these are the numbers of how they get to the one point nine trillion. But they're not even sure the extent. Like they they'll admit be like, yeah, this could be just the tip of the iceberg. Department of Labor for unemployment insurance, ten percent were improper. That's eight billion. Social Security spent ten percent on improper payments in fiscal twenty twenty. That's about five point three billion. Now, how many times have you heard a politician get up there and say we're gonna fix these problems and they're going to be solvent because we're going to get rid of waste, fraud, and abuse. Well, that's impossible because that is government. Government is waste, fraud, and abuse. That's all it is. That's like exactly what government is. There's nothing else to it. So unless you're going to actually get rid of the government and we're going to start Ancapistan tomorrow, you're going to have waste, fraud, and abuse. By definition, you can't have government and not have waste, fraud, and abuse. They don't know how much they're spending. They don't know where they're spending it. All we know is that we're spending a shit ton. And obviously, any problem that we're having is that we're not spending enough. So, hey, we'll we'll spend some more, run some more money off the printing press. What could go wrong, right? Well, we're, we're seeing that in all of these things that you have to spend money on to survive. When? When are the American people going to wake up to this fact? When are we going to stop looking to government to solve our problems? They make everything worse. 
every aspect of your life is going to be exponentially worse because of the things that they're doing in the name of your safety, in the name of helping the less fortunate, all of it. All of it is going to blow up in our faces the same way Afghanistan is blowing up right now. And unfortunately, I, I don't I don't see a, a, a way out of this. It's too late. You know, this is the problem that America is facing with this with this debt, with this out of control government. It's it's a very similar problem to Afghanistan. Like there is no exit strategy from this. There's no way to get out of this without chaos, without pain, without destruction. You see, just like Afghanistan, the second we went down this path of having the the Federal Reserve monetize the debt, easy monetary policy, suppressing interest rates, blowing up economic bubbles and and basically every facet of the economy, stocks, bonds, you name it. This was intentional. This was intentional. They they did this on purpose. Just like they went into Afghanistan on purpose. But in both cases, we went in without a, a clear path to victory without a clear goal, without an exit strategy. And there is no exit strategy for either of these things. You have to just, you have to pop the bubble the same way you had to rip the Band-Aid off of Afghanistan and leave. And then you got to deal with the fallout. And the longer you let it go on, the worse it gets. And unfortunately, we're, we're not going to go the route where you, you pop the bubble and, and you deal with the, the, the aftermath of it. And, and it, it's going to be painful, but it would be quick. And then the economy could get back on, on some stable ground. No, no, we're, we're not going that route. We're going the, the inflation route, which is just going to draw out the pain. It's going to make it much worse, much harder to recover from. And it's going to hurt more people than ever before. Far more people than it would if you just let these bubbles pop. And we should have popped them, uh, you know, just like Afghanistan decades ago. We should have never blown them up in the first place, just like we should have never gone into Afghanistan. Are you guys seeing the parallels here? This is government. This is how it operates. And it, like, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Healthcare, education, economics, housing, poverty, drugs, foreign policy, no matter what it does, the, the formula is the same. The problems are, are very similar. You're, you're always going to have the same fucking problems because of the nature of government, the incentive structure of government. It can't work. It is destined to fail. And the sooner you admit that, the sooner we had, had admitted to ourselves that we were destined to fail in Afghanistan, the sooner you can get out of there and start the recovery process. But we're not doing that here. We're, we, we refuse to admit that government can't solve these problems. We have to stop listening to these people. Like why, in any other aspect of life, you, you would not listen to somebody that's been as wrong as government has on just everything, on everything. Everything that they've promised They've fucking reneged on. It's been a complete disaster. And we keep listening to, you know, it's like Charlie Brown with the fucking football. Uh, we're going to put the football out in front of you. Kick it this time. I won't move it. How many times are we going to fall on our ass trying to kick that football before we finally admit that government can't solve our problems, that we have to do this ourselves, and we have to get government out of the way of everything? 
We need free, free market intervention in every aspect of our lives. That is the only known way to bring more wealth and more prosperity and peace to more people than any other system devised by man. When goods cross borders, armies don't. It is in everybody's best interest to peacefully trade. As we're finding out, war is very expensive, isn't it? Fighting is very expensive. There are peaceful ways to go about organizing society in a, in a completely voluntary manner. And we, we need to start rolling back this force, this government force, and all of these programs that are bankrupting us. The sooner the better. The, the sooner the better. We have to take the pain now. We've been living beyond our means for way too long. And we're not doing anybody any favors by pretending that this isn't an unmitigated disaster, just like we weren't doing anybody any favors pretending Afghanistan wasn't an unmitigated disaster. We have to come to terms with this, and we have to learn the lessons from it and not repeat them. Otherwise, you know, the, there's there will be no more America. Like, it, it's going to be over. We're, we're going to go the route of all of these other failed fucking socialist countries. Venezuela, the most recent example that I can think of. Look at what's going on over there. That That is the blueprint for America at this point. It's uh, It's really not looking good. So do with that what you will. Take that information. Start preparing for <laughs> the worst case scenario, you know, don't be one of these people that that's stuck in Afghanistan right now. Anticipate what's going to happen. Prepare for it so that you could be not here or not in that bad situation when all of this stuff really fucking hits the fan because it's coming. It It is coming. We are on a fucking collision course with economic fucking disaster. And uh, the, the sooner you start preparing for that, the better off you will be. There, there's still going to be pain all the way around for, for the vast majority of Americans. But you, you can be in a much better position if you start preparing for these things. Ideally, years ago, when I first started warning about them, when I, would talk, uh, when I started this podcast. But, you know, uh, better late than never. Start now if you haven't already. And uh, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. And we're working on um, some solutions to get some more videos up. And I, th I think we're going to just start posting them to Twitter and to Instagram and things like that until until further notice. And Facebook until they, they kick us out. So um, follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Instagram, it's probably the same thing. Pedal Fiction, I'm not exactly sure. I, I have been trying to post more stuff there. Because uh, I know that's what a lot, a lot of the kids do these days. They're on the Instagram. So we will be trying to increase our presence there as well. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.